all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC and Program Director of the MedPeds Residency Program. Allowing your children to be involved in sports that promote increased physical activities is an important part of increasing their overall health and can decrease the risk of heart disease, stroke, and lots of other things like cancer. But how can you help them to enjoy these activities without getting injured? What are some of the best ways to prevent dehydration? We'll be tackling these and other questions this morning, and of course, would love to hear your questions about physical activities and sports as your kids are involved in them. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. or you can send an email to kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. This will be an especially big and historic night for Hillary Clinton. She will formally accept the 2016 presidential nomination at the Democratic Convention tonight. First woman in U.S. history to do so. Here's NPR's Don Gagne. President Obama, Vice President Biden, and Clinton running mate Tim Kaine have all had their turn at this convention to share stories about what it's been like to know and work with Hillary Clinton. Earlier in the week, Bill Clinton shared the story of meeting his future wife when they were students. He spoke of her early career in child and family advocacy. Tonight, Chelsea Clinton will introduce her mother. Then the stage will be Hillary Clinton's. Her task will be to demonstrate to Americans her commitment to issues important to them, her readiness for the job, and for the coming fight against GOP nominee Donald Trump. And with polls showing most Americans have a negative view of her, she'll try to give them reason to reassess. Don Gagne, NPR News, Philadelphia. Donald Trump says he was just being sarcastic when he said this week that the Russians should hack into Hillary Clinton's emails. In a Fox News interview broadcast today, Trump said the Clinton campaign doesn't even know the nationalities of the people behind the cyber breach at the Democratic National Committee. Clinton's campaign accused the Russians of meddling in the U.S. election to help the Republican presidential nominee, who has been reported expressing admiration for Russian leader Vladimir Putin. Critics say Trump's controversial remarks, which were also panned by members of his own party, had risen to a national security issue. The Russian government says it's sending a senior general to Geneva to discuss the humanitarian crisis in the Syrian city of Aleppo. NPR's Corey Flintoff says the talks come as Russian and Syrian government forces advance into the rebel-held city. Russia's defense minister says U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry requested the talks on the Aleppo crisis. In the meantime, Russia says that its forces and troops loyal to Syrian President Bashar al-Assad are opening humanitarian corridors into the besieged city. The corridors would allow civilians to escape. 
Syrian government media say rebel forces would also be allowed to leave if they give up their guns. The announcement came as Human Rights Watch accused the Assad government of using indiscriminate cluster bombs that kill civilians. Corey Flintoff, NPR News, Moscow. A wildfire burning near Big Sur is getting bigger. 34 homes in Northern California have already been destroyed. Now, Blaze is reported to be about 10 percent contained. And firefighting conditions are expected to get worse today with a projected increase in scorching temperatures. To the south, far more progress. Authorities say they have surrounded 65 percent of a fire in northern Los Angeles County, thanks in part to calmer winds. This is NPR. Big bags are now banned from beaches in the French Riviera city of Cannes as a matter of security following the recent terror attacks in France. The mayor says the restriction should stop any would-be terrorists from hiding explosives or other weapons. The measure is expected to remain in effect until at least the end of October as France remains at its highest state of alert. This decision comes two weeks after Tunisian men repeatedly plowed into a Bastille Day crowd in Nice and two days after a Catholic priest was murdered during Mass in Normandy. The 2011 Fukushima disaster prompted many European countries to ban or freeze nuclear power, but Britain is preparing to build its first new nuclear power plant in a generation. Lauren Frere has more on that from London. The Hinkley Point nuclear power plant in southwest England will cost about $24 billion to build and create more than 5,000 jobs at the height of its construction. The French utility company EDF is handling the project with a third of the money coming from Chinese investors. Critics worry about environmental damage and that it's backed by a foreign government. EDF is 85% French state-owned. Hinkley could provide 7% of the UK's total electricity needs over its 60-year span. But it won't begin doing that until at least 2025 when it's slated to come online. For NPR News, I'm Lauren Freyer in London. At last check on Wall Street, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 69 points at 18,403. S&P 500 is off two points and the Nasdaq is up two points. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include the Cy Sims Foundation. Since 1985, supporting advances in science, education, and the arts towards a better life. More information is available at SciSimsFoundation.org. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I'm Terry Gross. Listen to Fresh Air weekdays at 3 on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to kids and teens at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Good morning. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at UMMC and program director of the MedPeds residency program. Regular physical activity is one of the best ways to prevent heart disease, stroke, and many cancers, and lots of other things like high blood pressure, diabetes, 
Lots of good benefits from regular exercise, and if you start young, it sticks with you. So giving your child opportunities to participate in organized sports is one of the many ways to ensure that they're getting adequate physical activity on a daily basis. So you might be wondering about some of the risks, though, uh, with those individual sports that they might be participating in, and how can you prevent some of those injuries that they might have, particularly some of those that are seasonal or particular to those individual sports. So we'll be talking about some of the most common injuries in different sports and how to prevent them today on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. As usual, we'll be taking your questions or comments. So if you have anything you'd like to ask this morning, you can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven. 672-7464, or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. Well, I hope everybody's enjoying a, a brief respite from the heat. You know, it's bad in Mississippi. You go to talk to some people from the rest of the nation, and you say, uh, you know, they have cool spells that get down in the 60s or 70s. Cool spells for us in the South are when it gets to 85 unfortunately. But I tell you what, right now, I just uh, walking into the studio this morning, it felt a little bit better after a quick rain shower. And I hope you're getting some uh, some good time to, to get outside in between the rain, at least a little bit. But it is hot, and we do have school starting. Uh, many of your children may already, as mine are, uh, participating in uh, practices uh, for different sports, particularly for football this time of year. I know a lot of sports have gone, uh, and it, great data on this, actually, to uh, year-round uh, conditioning. Um, some of the smaller schools, your children uh, may be uh, able to participate in sports year-round. And physical activity really should be something that that our kids are doing all the time. Uh, normal play, of course, is a great way to do that, particularly for younger kids. And just to keep in mind sort of our recommendations on what's a healthy amount of exercise for your children uh, to receive is uh, at least one hour a day. Uh, and it can be unstructured. By unstructured, we mean they don't have to join a team or a sport or anything like that. But something that's uh, getting them a little bit out of breath for uh, extended periods of time, or it can be broken up during the day. So it doesn't have to be a, a continuous hour. It can be um, small amounts of that that are broken up throughout the day. But most days of the week, we recommend that they at least get one hour of, uh, of exercise a day. And doing that year-round also has great benefits, particularly if they are, are involved in, uh, in sports, uh, organized sports activities. For instance, uh, we can take football since that's what season we're in. You know, year-round conditioning is really great from an aerobic standpoint so that you keep your heart in good working order, not just the muscles that are uh, that you can see, but those muscles that you can't see. Most important one, of course, is the heart. Um, and, uh, and also uh, uh, proper nutrition throughout the year. That can be so important, uh, not just with world-class athletes, but also with kids. And we know there are many benefits of exercise. Uh, exercise, along with a healthy diet, uh, has been linked to uh, lower risk of heart disease uh, later on in life and uh, stroke uh, and kidney disease and uh, also cancers. So if you, uh, you know, really, if you look at cancer risk for some of the more common cancers, we know that a healthy diet and exercise in those populations that get that uh, they do much, much better 
uh, in as far as uh, not developing those things. And it can stick with you for a long time. The problem with, with exercise is that once you stop doing it, it the benefits really go away. Um, so, you know, it, I know a lot of people think, well, I can just exercise some, and some is better than none, um, particularly with, you know, with kids. But really, you should be doing it all the time. Uh, lots of the beneficial effects that we can measure with cardiovascular health, with some of the naturally occurring substances in the body that help prevent heart attack and stroke <clears throat> with, uh, with increased physical activity, those go away after about two to four weeks uh, of quitting uh, regular exercise. So it's important to, to try to do that uh, year round and try to, uh, uh, you know, really in, uh, have an importance of that in your, in your family's lifestyle. And we do know that, uh, that we have certainly a, a, an obesity problem here in the South, particularly in Mississippi, but also in surrounding States. Um, our kids were making a little bit of headway with this and a lot more um, attention has been looked at this over the past uh, couple of decades. Um, uh, so we know about it more. I think just about everybody in the state knows we have a, a problem with that. Um, but we still have a long way to go in decreasing those rates again of heart attack and stroke. And we see way too many young adults um, with, um, with heart attack and stroke in their 20s and 30s. And one of the clinical areas that I see kids in and have an interest in as far as uh, research goes is, uh, is, is uh, childhood hypertension. And, um, I, you know, I have, have a whole um, Tuesday morning clinic that, uh, that is populated with, uh, with kids with hypertension. And most of the time, at least a part of that cause comes from decreased physical activity uh, and uh, poor diet. We're talking about sports-related injuries and their prevention. We're going to get into some specifics in a little bit, but we would love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments about that. Maybe it's a particular injury that your child has had and you want to ask some questions about it, or if it's uh, maybe some concerns you have with preventing some of the most common injuries, you can call us this morning at one eight seven seven. MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can email us at kids and teens at mpbonline.org. So, what are the some of the most common sports injuries in children? It's a little bit different in in adults. I know I'll, I'm uh, nursing an injury right now. I'm about eleven eleven and a half weeks out from a. Uh, from a high ankle sprain um, uh, that I'm getting much better thanks to my uh, wonderful uh, physical therapist. You know, sometimes that's a love-hate relationship, but I have a great one, and Jordan's really putting me through the ringer uh, to get better and uh, certainly making some headway. But with children, sometimes you can have different types of injuries just because they're growing, their muscular skeletal system is not uh, quite uh, matured at different ages, and some of the stresses that are put at, on, in, on joints with different movements affects them a little bit differently than it does an adult. So one of the most common injuries, of course, is a sprain or a strain. By sprain, usually we mean, uh, particularly from a doctor's, uh, you know, doctor language, when somebody has a sprain, uh, it's actually usually an older kid. So younger kids uh, tend to injure the growth plate, and that's where two parts of a bone uh, are growing. That's the one spot that uh, bones don't grow throughout their whole length. They usually grow at the ends of, of the bones, particularly longer bones. And growth plate injuries are, are much more common uh, in uh, younger individuals because that's the weakest part of the joint. But with older kids, sometimes you can have a sprain, which is really an injury to the ligaments uh, around that joint. So ligaments are 
fibrous tissue that holds bone. They hold bone together, uh, so that joint would fly apart uh, if it didn't have ligaments. Uh, you know, holding that together so that it can move properly. But sometimes we overstress those, or because of a certain mechanism uh, uh, with the injury, you can uh, stretch or sometimes tear those. And even with with tears, those can heal, but that's a a common injury. A strain, on the other hand, usually um, uh, uh, refers to either a tendon or a muscle injury. You can uh, have small tears in that tendon. And a tendon is really just a connection between a muscle and a bone uh, to help move uh, that joint in a certain direction. And again, if you have um, you know a lot of a lot of strain on that uh, muscle uh, with whatever the injury is, say you're playing football and you get hit or you're uh, even straining against something sometimes you can you know, a lot of people would call it a muscle pull or uh, you know a, uh, sometimes the strain and the sprain can go together too, so it's a little bit confusing sometimes. And we diagnose those by history, you know how did that happen and then looking at a you know physical exam, putting that joint through different motions just to see the exact location of the pain or discomfort and making sure that that joint can move in all different directions. Mentioning growth plane injuries. So again, those can be common, um, particularly in younger kids, uh, just because again, that's the weakest part of the joint. Growth plane injuries uh, tend to, uh, you know, we try to protect those. The, The reason is that if you damage the growth plate enough, then you'll lose that growth in that bone. So particularly with our long bones, uh, like the bones in our leg or our arm, uh, you may have a discrepancy uh, if the child is young enough and there's been some destruction there. That uh, that leg or arm may be a little bit shorter uh, than the corresponding arm or leg uh, due to damage to that growth plate. Then repetitive motion injuries, particularly those sports where you do things uh, in the same motion over and over again, uh, you can overuse those muscles and uh, not use other ones. That's one great uh, uh, plug for cross training and doing multiple sports and uh, and uh, really working out uh, everything. Uh, I know I have a 15 year old right now, and he loves you know everybody's got. I think every every boy, adolescent boy, has their favorite muscle they like to work uh, at the you know at the gym or with weights and. Uh, sometimes you can overwork those joints where one muscle gets worked more than the others, and it does help uh, with particularly to prevent overuse uh, injuries to work out the symmetrical muscles, the muscles around that, and then some that you don't use a lot. But repetitive motion injuries, a good example of that would be in baseball, particularly with pitching. We have some, uh, you know, some rules and regulations around that about some uh, recommendations about how many pitches that, that you can throw uh, at a, you know, in a, in a certain time so that that, can, uh, that tissue can uh, take a rest and heal up. And then finally, heat-related illnesses. So we'll, we'll touch on that in just a little bit. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break, uh, our first break of the hour. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about sports-related injuries and prevention. And we would love to hear any questions that you might have. You can reach us at one eight seven seven. MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back after this break.
Support for MPB comes from C Spire Business Solutions, helping businesses move into the future with next-generation fiber optic internet access. More at 855-C-SPIRE-2. C Spire, customer inspired. There's a lot to be discovered about Mississippi. Like the little-known places you can visit on a Mississippi road trip. Or where to find a local brewery for a unique experience. Every Friday morning at 10, we take you on an hour-long journey through Mississippi. It's music, cuisine, culture, and history. And you never know where our next stop will be. I'm Mary Margaret Miller. And I'm Sharia Brent. Be sure to join us Friday mornings at 10 for Next Stop Mississippi on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Your favorite MPB Think Radio shows are now available on your favorite podcast app. So open that app and subscribe to any local program you love, like Everyday Tech. Android does have the most delicious operating system, I find. Jelly, is it jelly bean? The Gestalt Gardener. What's up? What you got going on? And, of course, MPB's Season Pass with myself, Sam Wells, and Jay White. Hey, That's my guys, man. man. So what are you waiting for? Go search and subscribe today. You're listening to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. We're talking about sports-related illnesses and their prevention. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with you. And uh, just sort of diving into this with all the different things that are out there. We'd love to hear your questions or comments that you have. Maybe you have an injury that your child has had in the past. I uh, want to ask about that. Some Maybe some long-term side effects that you... Uh, that you wanted to ask about or risk that uh, you're concerned about with various sports um, uh, that uh, your child is going to be involved in. You can call us this morning live at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can send us an email to kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. So a big part of illness uh, injuries in sports is uh, prevention. So, you know, it's always better to prevent something than it is to treat it. And that goes with sports-related injuries as well as a lot of other things as well. Um, So uh, sports involvement and conditioning is probably the best thing you can do. Um, If you, you know, even if you have a child that's that's, uh, inclined to do well in sports, they seem to pick it up easy. They can jump into the different things and do well. Um, sometimes those are the kids you worry about the most because they tend to injure themselves. Uh, maybe they are good in that sport, but their, uh, their bodies are uh, presented with a situation that strains a, a, a joint a different way than they're used to. Uh, they're not able to compensate with the muscles, uh, muscle strength that they have or their ligaments are, are a little bit uh, weaker there too. So that's all, um, you know, that's, that's different, uh, different things that you can do to, to keep them, uh, up, up to speed with those. But the more, the more muscle groups that you can work over time, the better they're going to be. Uh, they're going to be used to different movements. Uh, it's, it's just not a good idea to just jump into a sport without a proper conditioning. Thankfully, most of our sports do that, um, and take a lot of time up front, uh, in training, 
uh, so that our kids don't get hurt, so that they enjoy themselves and can perform to the best of their abilities. So that's something, again, a lot of programs are doing that year-round. Uh, it might be a bit of a hassle sometimes to get your kid to practice, but it's uh, at least you can uh, you know help prevent some of those injuries. Proper gear is a big thing, too. A lot of schools are strapped with cash, you know, in from the uh, cash flow to try to uh, meet all these needs. I know a lot of places they use a lot of older equipment. Safety equipment, you got to know uh, what's appropriate, uh, particularly for those sports that are contact sports. Uh, football is probably the one that most people in the state in the southeast are most familiar with. Uh, having a proper helmet, uh, they have somebody to, that knows what they're doing to look at that, uh, to evaluate those helmets. If you want to invest in your child's football team, that's a great way is equipment and making sure that they've got the proper equipment pads that they need and so forth. Same thing with other sports as well, baseball, you know, basketball, proper footwear, uh, that can be a big one too. And if they have any other special needs, you know, sometimes a mouth guard, depending on, uh, depending on the sport, uh, they're either uh, required or, you know, optional for your child. It might be specifically the thing that they might need. Warming up and cooling down, that's very important. I can remember as a uh, high school athlete, I, I hated to do this. I hated to warm up and cool down. Uh, but I tell you, it really works. It uh, increases blood flow to those muscle groups that they're going to need. Um, and taking the time to do that, a lot of teams do this together, the team sports. Um, but that can really prevent a lot of injury problems down the road. Then proper hydration and safety rules. Uh, certainly you want to follow the rules. I uh, don't want to, uh, you know, it's one thing to uh, present a deflate gate, uh, but the safety rules that help uh, ensure that your child's going to not get injured, those are really um, um, important to follow. Well, let's talk a little bit about hydration. So, uh, you know, hydration is one of the biggest problems that we see in Mississippi in the in the summertime, of course, it's so hot, the humidity's high, it's difficult for our bodies to cool down adequately. Uh, and through the loss of water uh, and sometimes uh, solutes, and by solutes we usually mean salt is the most important one, um, you know, there's a, a uh, imbalance in the amount of salt and water in the body. And that can cause a lot of problems. It can cause, you know, just some mild dehydration, usually the symptoms of that uh, will be an increased uh, heart rate. Uh, the child might feel like they have a headache. They may have fatigue. Uh, they may look pale. Um, they may actually stop sweating. Uh, that's sort of a danger sign if they do that because that's the body's uh, natural air conditioning to help cool us off is through, uh, is through sweating. And uh, that's a real important thing. Hydration is one of the, the most important things in the South at this time of year. And there's a lot of uh, controversy in those, you know, what's the best hydration method? Uh, what different things can you, uh, can you give if you suspect that there is a dehydration problem? Uh, what should you use before um, uh, practice or before the game? Uh, what's your hydration strategy versus uh, during the game or even after? And there's a, a big industry, as you probably know in this, uh, you know, Gatorade sort of started this back in the 70s, uh, with electrolyte solutions, it basically had a little bit of carbohydrate in it. That's sugar that um, gives the body a little bit of energy. And then they, uh, they threw in a little bit of salt and potassium as well. And again, salt is made up of sodium and chloride. So the sodium is one of the most important things there uh, that the body uses for lots of different processes for um, um, uh, normal firing of nerves and uh, muscle 
contraction as well. And uh, potassium is also a very important part of that. And now we have lots of drinks. You know, even if you take Gatorade, for instance, they have a pre, uh, during, and post drinks uh, for recovery. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of science there, but the science we have is, uh, you know, it's not a really that big a deal um, but particularly beforehand. And um, the American College of Sports Medicine has has some great guidelines on this that they've had out for about a decade, and they've tweaked them a little bit over the years. But the biggest one is to uh, to eat a nutritionally balanced diet and have adequate fluid intake uh, at least 24 hours prior to whatever your activity is. And you don't have to drink Gatorade or Powerade or whatever your electrolyte solution prior to the activity. So the way the body works prior to the activity, uh, you're not sweating. So if you're not outside sweating, you really don't need that. Water is a perfect, uh, um, you know, hydration fluid uh, to ingest prior to that activity. And then eating a healthy diet is your body's way of normally, you know, having that in store should you need that um, with the activity that you're going to, that you're going to do this, either the practice or the actual game. Um, so doing that 24 hours prior, at least, and, you know, again, consistency is really important here. And if you drink too much fluids during that time, it's easy. Uh, you know, your, your kidneys get rid of the excess amount and they help also regulate the concentration of salt and potassium in your blood that it needs to, uh, to do all the normal functions. So, uh, you know, about two hours prior to the activity, it's probably a good idea to sort of tank up on water. So drinking about a a half a liter, about 500 milliliters, that's about 17 ounces. So you could just round that up to 20 ounces of water, again, is, um, is a good idea. You don't have to drink the sports drink prior to that activity. And again, that's just getting the body sort of tanked up so that it has enough uh, hydration within the blood uh, stream to uh, to deal with with some of the losses that you're going to have, and then during ac- uh, exercise, they recommend uh, early and regular fluid intake, and um, this this of course can vary. Uh, you know, a lot of people will have different solutions that they use. Uh, you know, and and really, it doesn't have a. There, there's not really any data to support that one company is better than the other. It's really more about preference. So I have a good friend of mine who who does not like one particular. You know. Um, uh, rehydration fluid, uh, that's okay. You can choose whichever one you want. And for, you know, for older individuals, older uh, kids and adults, you might want to check into that, particularly if it's a longer race. Uh, you know, a lot of marathons, they'll partner with one company and they'll, uh, they'll have their, their favorite rehydration formula that they'll, that they'll use for that. And it may not be one that you, you've, uh, tried before and, uh, there's nothing worse on a long race to have that unpalatable um, uh, sort of nasty taste in at least to you uh, rehydration. So during exercise, early and regular fluid intake. Now, if this activity is less than one hour, you really don't need anything else besides water. So all the data that they've looked at, there's no higher incidence of, uh, of more fluid loss or electrolyte changes less than one hour of activity. So if whatever your, your child is uh, going to participate in, if it's less than one hour, and that includes practice, then water is perfectly fine to use as a rehydration fluid uh, during that activity. The, the key here is um, early, early um, uh, fluid intake and regular fluid intake. So you want to make sure that they have uh, access to that 
um, over time during that activity. Um, the second thing is um, is cool fluids. So you don't want something that's that's hotter. You want those fluids that are cooler. And again, that's just the the best way to um, to cool the body down uh, during that activity. Cooler fluids uh, sort of transfer. Uh, that uh, that temperature differential in the stomach and in, once it gets into the body, that can help cool down a little bit more. Just gives you a little bit more cooling effect. Carbohydrates and electrolytes. If it's going to be more than one hour of activity, then it is beneficial to have some type of carbohydrate. And again, that's basically just another fancy word for sugars uh, and electrolytes. And that's, again, sodium and potassium would be the two most uh, um, important ones. So if the activity is going to be more than one hour, again, practice or a game, then you probably should uh, you know, have that available as your rehydration after that first hour. If it's intense exercise, I've actually looked at this, the amount that you need, and it's about 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate an hour. Um, if any of you are familiar with, uh, with long-distance running, uh, you'll note that they have these little... Uh, uh, carbohydrate packs. You can find them at, at lots of different uh, sporting sco- stores. Um, also some bars that have this too, but 30 to, to 60 grams of uh, uh, per hour of carbohydrate is about what you would need. Um, and again, you want to try this beforehand. A lot of times, you know, just different preferences. A lot of people, it'll make them sick during a game or a practice to uh, to try to do that if they haven't already tried it out at, at practice before. And then the other thing is about 600 to a liter, maybe a little bit more of that, up to 1,200 liters per hour um, of, of fluids. You can get, of course, a combination fluid. So if they have between 4 to, to 8% carbohydrates in those fluids, things like Gatorade, Powerade, uh, that's, that's certainly okay. But that's more than one hour of activity. So if you, uh, if you do have fluids with excess salt and excess sodium in it greater than one hour, there really is little evidence that you can uh, prevent uh, dangerously low levels of, uh, of sodium in your bloodstream. Uh, and it really, most of the beneficial effect is the, the prehydration period and what you eat in a healthy diet. And you can deplete the body uh, pretty fast over over time to the point where when you do stress it with increased heat, uh, then it can uh, decrease the amount of sodium in there. We're talking about sports-related uh, injuries and how to prevent some of those complications. The number to call if uh, if you have a question or a comment, we've got plenty of time for that, is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email us at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. I'm Dr. Jimmy, and we'll be right back after this break. impaired mpb's radio reading service is here for you our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you 
For information and to see if you qualify, call us at 601-432-6301. Catch up on past episodes and hear any of the MPB programs you've missed on the MPB Public Radio app. Available on iTunes and Google Play. Listen live to MPB Think Radio and MPB Music Radio. Search MPB Public Radio. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're here in Philadelphia for day four of the Democratic National Convention. The theme tonight, Stronger Together. Hillary Clinton will officially accept the Democratic nomination for president. I'm Rachel Martin. Join me, Judy Woodruff, and Gwen Eiffel as we take you to the floor and inside the arena at the Democratic National Convention. It's special coverage from PBS NewsHour and NPR News. Tonight at 7 on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy here talking about sports-related illnesses and how to prevent them. We just got through talking about hydration therapy. You know, I get a lot of questions about uh, two things that you may have seen on the field or maybe you've used them before. I did a lot of recent research on this. One is pickle juice. So pickle juice has been used for uh, particularly for cramps that are related to physical activity. And the other is mustard, so it's just plain mustard packs, actually the ones in little, you know, packages that you get at fast food places, that's what they use a lot. Or I've seen, I actually saw uh, one uh, trainer that squirted mustard into this athlete's mouth, which, I don't know, if I was dehydrated, that would be horrendous for me. But I did some research on this. Actually, a lot of people have have looked at this in detail. One of the best studied uh, studies, it didn't have a lot of participants in it, but uh, they used uh, young males, about a, a average age 25, and they looked at uh, three things, pickle juice versus a carbohydrate uh, electrolyte drink. Uh, I'm not sure which one it was, if it was Powerade, Gatorade, or another, and then water. And they gave a standard amount to all non-patient, or non-volunteers uh, um, um, for the activity. And for each of the uh, test subjects, they, they uh, had a catheter in their arm, and they tested uh, their blood for concentrations of sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium, and the osmolality. And osmolality is a way of looking at uh, the concentration of all those things as it relates to the amount of water there. And then they did the same thing in the urine. But it's it really well done. They did it before they gave them those three things, uh, divided them up and gave each one, you know, each one of those. Um, and they um, uh, they checked those blood and urine levels before they gave it to them, and then at 1, 5, 10, 15, 25, and so forth, up to 45 minutes, and then finally at an hour after ingestion. And what they found is that pickle juice, the rehydration drink, or water did absolutely nothing to those electrolytes, period. So there was a lot of concern with the pickle juice because of the salt content in it. Basically, it's an acidic brine uh, that they use to you know to pickle those those cucumbers, um, that that might cause some problems. It does delay 
emptying of the stomach. Uh, but it didn't do any harm, so that's that's great. So if it works for you, that's the bottom line, and a lot of people swear by it. Even quick, like uh, 35 seconds it works, some people say. Uh, we don't have any evidence of that, but you know what? If they can tolerate that, and uh, some people can't, but if they do and it works, it's certainly not going to hurt them as far as dehydration goes. I've, uh, doctor, I've heard that um, you can use mustard as like a, a heartburn remedy. And yeah, I've tried it before, and it, it, it does works. work, at least for me. Yeah, and, and people are different. You know, your, your GI tract is set up in different ways. Some foods will stimulate acid production, and some don't do it as much. And there's a, the, the other thing about some foods like that is the thought is it sort of coats the interior lining of the stomach. So heartburn is really you, you're producing too much acid. You've got some, you know, a little bit of inflammation there. Uh, and you find all kinds of stuff that works for different people. Um, and it may work for you. Uh, this may, that may be something you can market, Jay. So I'm not sure about that. <laughs> heartburn mustard. Yeah. Heartburn mustard. Well, um, there's been worse ideas. <laughs> <laughs> the yellow paste that makes it go away. I don't know. Uh, we can come up with a better jingle than that, but, uh, yeah, so some things could work and you know, it may not work for you. Um, the biggest thing that I, you know, my approach with that is let's look at the data, let's look at the research. And if it doesn't cause any problems like, uh, the pickle juice, then, Hey, if it works, do it. Um, and it it is interesting that the carbohydrate drinks, the rehydration drinks and water did absolutely nothing to those electrolyte levels up to an hour. So that just, you know, again, sort of drives home the point that it, it really doesn't matter. Now these individuals didn't have, they weren't dehydrated, they weren't exercising. They were just sitting there, and they wanted to know if if they could, you know, uh, if it would have any uh, changes to the sodium and potassium and all the other electrolytes. It was interesting you mentioned that. I remember in the late '90s or around 2000, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles NFL team uh, made a lot of uh, press. Well, not a lot of press, but uh, there were a lot of stories that uh, there was a season. I guess it was particularly hot in Philadelphia uh, that. Uh, late summer, early fall for some of their home games. And they played at the time in a stadium where the turf was really, really, it was artificial turf and get really, really hot. And so their players were, were drinking pickle juice yeah. before the games. Yeah. And uh, there were a lot of stories about it. And those guys, they swore by it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, just uh, with, with the, with the, the biggest thing is you don't want to do anything bad. We certainly have, you know, the biggest, you, you may have heard about this, the biggest, problem with prolonged activity in hot weather is uh, you get dehydration to the point and a change in the sodium levels so that uh, not only would you pass out, but you might have a seizure and a death. Uh, You know, I was running in the Chicago Marathon years ago, and uh, there was one death. It was particularly hot that summer, and um, there was one death from that very condition. Uh, And this was somebody that was well-trained. I mean, they were doing well for all practical purposes up until that time. Um, And yeah, doing things like that beforehand for individuals might be good. But you have to watch out that you don't just do that and not, you know, I mean, those other athletes too, they certainly have, I mean, they've got food handed to them. They've got, you know, trainers watching them carefully. So don't go, you know, individuals don't go in left field feeding your nine-year-old pickle juice before the game. Again, the best thing before the game is water uh, and a healthy diet. But that does come up. You know, pickle juice is, uh, if you know, just in the amount that they're talking about, uh, which is not very much. It was about a hundred milliliters. Uh, so you're, you're looking about, you know, four to six ounces probably at the most. Uh, it's not, it's not going to hurt them. And if it helps with cramps, that's okay. 
The other big thing is stretching. So stretching, you know, and I, I can remember when I was uh, in high school, uh, some sports we did a little bit and some we did more. But, you know, the biggest stretch that we did, there were there were two, and there was one that just came out called ballistic stretching. But just a little bit of, bit of background about different stretching. So if you think about the classic stretch, uh, where you're, you know, you're, uh, in a position and you're stretching a muscle out and you're not moving. Um, that's a static stretch. So that's something that's, you're, you're stretching that muscle out, uh, so that you can gain more flexibility in that, that muscle so that your range of motions through that, through whatever that joint is, if it's, if it's the knee, you know, stretching out your hamstrings, your, your quadriceps to make sure that you have full range of motion. And muscles tend to do a little bit better as long as they're not stretched too much. So that that stretch in the muscle itself and in the tendons is is a good thing. And then there's dynamic st- uh, stretches. Uh, so the dynamic stretches are the ones that you're doing with movement. And you may have seen this if you look at uh, you know any professional sports these days: baseball, football, basketball. If you watch how they uh, how they warm up before the game, most of the time now they're doing. Uh, more dynamic stretching than they are static stretching. And both are good. The the benefit of a dynamic stretch is you're putting that those muscles and and ligaments through that entire motion. So you're using those other it's really movement with the stretch. Uh a little bit different than ballistic stretching. Ballistic stretching, you know, the old way if you look at this old footage from say, you know, Olympics in the 30s and 40s if you look at the track and field athletes and they're kicking their it looked like one of the rockets. They're kicking their foot up uh, way above their head uh, to stretch the muscle out, or sort of the bouncing stretches that we used to do a lot. Uh, those are not as beneficial. There are some some you know advantages to that, but the dynamic stretching and the static stretching are extremely important. And uh, most people feel like that is important to do before an activity. Uh, and there's also a little bit of evidence that maybe moving blood flow through those muscles first before you stretch is important. There's a big question in most, you know, athletic circles about, well, when's the best time to stretch? Do you stretch before or after? Um, probably both is beneficial to some degree. Uh, but getting the blood flow through there, you don't want to just, uh, you know, plop down and start stretching um, there are some, some passive stretches. In other words, you'll, uh, you know, if we stick with the leg, uh, and you're, you're putting that leg through a motion, somebody else, or, uh, you know, you're using gravity to do that a little less controlled situation, um, than, than say if, if you're actively, uh, stretching, but those dynamic stretches are, are things that are important. The other thing you'll see is, is something, a fancy, fancy word that's out there called proprioceptive uh, training. So proprioceptors are uh, natural points in the body. They're little nerves that tell us where we are in space. So if you close your eyes, you remove the vis- visual stimulation. Uh, you uh, you really have to rely on two things to tell you where you are without falling over. One is your inner ear. So there are three semicircular canals in each ear that uh, are sort of little gyroscopes. Um, and they, based on where you are, if you're upright, lying down or turning, uh, it'll tell you where you are in space. Uh, and then also all these different receptors in our joints that tell us if our knee is up or if our knee is down, uh, or straight, um, they're through all the joints in the, in the body. And the thought is if you, 
you know, if you work those to the extent that uh, that the body is is uh, strengthening those neural pathways, if you're put in a position where you have to steady yourself, uh, then you're going to be able to recover without injuring yourself. So if a football player is hit from a different angle, uh, that might help. And there's a little bit of, you know, particularly with professional athletes, there's a little bit of, of science there that that might be beneficial. Also a little bit with elderly too, because you tend to lose that as you get older. Uh, you have less development of some of the smaller muscles around joints, some of the stabilizing muscles around joints. Uh, and so that's a that's a good idea to to get those worked out. But stretching... Probably a good thing. You don't need to overdo it, uh, but it it should uh, you know probably should do that both before and after uh, you either work out or uh, play in a game. We got an email here from Rachel in Tupelo. She says, "My son wants to play football. As a mother, the thought of that is completely frightening. I feel like if I send them out to play, uh, send him out to play, eventually there will be some brain damage from the contact." What would I, uh, what can I uh, do uh, intentionally, uh, you know, to, uh, or why, why would I do that intentionally? So, you know, the, the biggest thing there is the worry against concussion injury. And this has been in the news a lot. You know, there's a movie out with Will Smith uh, that was based on a, a real, you know, uh, um, actual person, uh, a physician who sort of uncovered the issue of concussions with repetitive activity uh, in football. So what we know now is there is some risk there. Uh, you know, all sports have at least some risk. Uh, if you look at, at participation in kids, uh, certainly there is there is more uh, risk in not having any kind of physical activity. A lot, I know a lot of people feel pretty strongly against organized sports. Hey, that's okay. Your kid needs to be moving around, you know, doing something uh, to increase physical activity. If organized sport, sports aren't your thing, that's fine. There's nothing, you know, nothing wrong with that. But there are some risks that you have need to be uh, aware of. And certainly in football, contact is is one of the bigger things that people think about. It's not the most common thing, even chronically. Uh, most of that occurs with, uh, again, the strains and sprains. Um, so the biggest thing is in the mechanism. So full head-to-head contact, of course, is the, is the biggest injury there. And what happens is that the brain is basically inside the skull. Uh, it's uh, sort of tethered to the skull by these little connections, but mostly it's floating around in fluid. And if you think about this, if you have a fish tank and you're moving it from one room to the other, and maybe you have some plants and some other things in there, when you move that tank and then suddenly it stops the water keeps moving and sort of sloshes around and whatever's in that water goes with it. So you may have some long plants in that fish tank and they're bumping up against the side. Brain, of course, is much bigger uh, and it doesn't have a whole lot of fluid. So what happens if you suddenly have a uh, acceleration of the head and then it stops up against another object? The brain keeps moving forward, hits the front part or whichever part, you know, whichever way that you're moving, and then it goes back toward the other side, sort of sloshes around in there. Repetitively, that can cause damage. And, uh, you know, the most famous uh, that I can think of professional athlete that had this was Muhammad Ali. Certainly others have followed. And, of course, his was from boxing uh, over the years. And if you think about some of the same symptoms he had, that's that's very common sort of Parkinsonian symptoms. Uh, but there are other risks with uh, those concussions, uh, subtle memory loss, uh, early dementia, uh, some of the mood swings we've seen in professional athletes, particularly football players um, later in life, uh, the suicides uh, risk. 
and that again, that's the that's a uh, complication of repetitive, um, repetitive uh, concussions and micro concussions. You don't have to have a full blown concussion uh, to be at risk for this. It's really the repetitive. Um, you know, the repetitive contact there. Biggest way to prevent this is try to, you know, trying to teach these kids how to tackle um, and not lead with their, with their helmets and making sure your coaches are doing that appropriately. There, there's a lot of controversy about helmets. Um, some people do believe that, that helmets certainly have decreased the risk of that. However, uh, there's also, a, you know, a big concern that maybe they don't. And there's actually a couple of groups out there, one in the state of Mississippi, that are looking at these forces within helmets, and they put these little sensors in there uh, just to sort of get a better uh, understanding of that. There's even helmets that can, you know, it, they're sort of touted to decrease the risk of concussion if your child has had one. Um, and these these are these sort of Charlie Brown-looking helmets that have a soft place, you know, sort of soft cushion on the outside of the helmet. Uh, they look almost oversized. Um, you know, there's there's not, again, there's not a whole lot of, uh, science behind a lot of that. Um, we still don't know all the answers to these questions. I guess, you know, I'm throwing all these things out there to you, Rachel, uh, just to say that there is some risk. You have to be aware of that. Uh, the best thing you can do is to sort of weigh that. And I know for some families, that's a big issue. But also, you know, again, uh, chances are your child is is going to play, you know, in high school most players uh, don't play beyond that. I mean, it's very uh, low percentage that, that go even to college beyond that. Uh, and that's probably not going to be cumulative a whole lot of effects down the road. But it's not for everybody. And knowing those risks with individual sports is important. You know, uh, soccer, for instance, they do have their fair share of concussions. Uh, they think that at heading the ball, that's where you actually, you know, hit the ball off your head um, it causes some of the same injuries. And then of course, because you're not wearing headwear, if you, uh, a headgear to, uh, to protect your head, if you run into somebody else that particularly with, with girls, that's, uh, the, uh, one of the most common injuries. Uh, we don't have a lot of lacrosse here, but that's another one that has a lot of those injuries as well. So just, you have to weigh that, you know, it's, it's different, uh, for, for different sports, but certainly you got to have some serious conversations and have the conversations with your coaching staff to, you know, what, what are you doing? What do you have in place to help prevent some of these more serious injuries? I can tell you of the coaches that I've talked to, uh, they, they, it's a big deal. Like they're very concerned about that. And, uh, you know, uh, it, I, I really haven't met a, a lot of coaches that uh, winning is the only thing that they want to do. I mean, they do have concerns about their players and athletes. Uh, you just want to have a conversation with them to ask them what they're doing about those different kinds of things. did want to mention overuse injuries uh, briefly. So overuse uh, simply means if you're doing one continuous motion over and over and over again, you can stress that uh, joint, that ligament, tendon, muscle to the point or bone, uh, that you have an overuse injury. An example of this would be, uh, if you have a gymnast and they're doing repetitive, uh, tumbling, uh, either on an apparatus or on the floor, uh, they can, they're prone to tendonitis in some of those joints just because they're doing the same motion over and over and over again. Uh, uh stress fractures are also common. Uh, again, cross training and trying to do some strengthening around those joints of other muscles. Uh, I'm a runner, uh, or at least I used to be before all these injuries. 
but uh, you know, it's there was repetitive motions that you do with running. You you might want to balance that in your in your child. Uh, if they're involved in that with some other activities to strengthen those other muscles. Um, you know, one of the best activities that your kids can do, uh, not a whole lot of this in Mississippi is uh, uh, in, in children, but um, there, there are some smaller dis- distances that they could participate, is triathlons. So they have some, some uh, you know, the combination of uh, swimming and uh, bike and running. Uh, that's a great exercise. It works different muscle groups, great way to cross-train. Uh, but overuse injuries are th- something that you see. We mentioned baseball earlier, particularly with pitchers and in their uh, in their elbow and shoulder. So there's lots of different um, you know concerns about that. Making sure you're following the rules, uh, limiting the amount of pitches that they have, um, uh, appropriate warm up and cool down of those joints, and conditioning of those joints too, particularly in the off season. Uh, weight training can help uh, prevent some of those things, but you need to be aware of that. Uh, I think sometimes parents, uh, I've seen all all too many times, put a lot of pressure on their kids, and they do it early, um, particularly in those sports that are very technical. And, um, you know, it, you, you really, there's t- a couple of things that happen. Injuries happen, uh, and you really uh, just take all the fun out of it, too, for the kid. And uh, I, I've seen that happen a lot of times, even kids in clinic that, uh, you know, came back in one time after another with, with all these injuries, uh, and and they feel a lot of pressure uh, behind them. Just keep in mind, you know, this is, is certainly uh, organized sports can be very important for your child to participate in, uh, but it's, it's you also have to think about lifelong appreciation of things and what that child's going to be able to do after that. Um, other sports that, that we think about, you know, basketball, we did mention there are some, uh, some most, mostly knee injuries uh, and ankle injuries, um, from uh, collisions or um, other, you know, uh, um, if running into different things or falling down that they could have some problems with. Um, and whatever your individual child's needs are, if they wear glasses, eye protection, if they have other things that, uh, you know, uh, if, they've, if they've got braces on, certainly a uh, mouth guard might be good, uh, not just in football, but maybe even in uh, soccer or uh, basketball because they've got all that hardware in there that could potentially uh, cut the inside of their mouth. So just think about those things. I know a lot of times kids don't want to wear all that. Um, thankfully, we have a lot more rules, particularly in football, for them to uh, to uh, you know wear those on a repetitive basis. And uh, know what the rules are for your individual sports. And these are you know you can go to uh, different websites to look at these uh, for your state. And for the organization that you're uh, that you're involved in, so uh, just keep that in mind as you um, you know let those kids play those sports. Hey, get out there! Let yeah, encourage your kids to have fun because um, it is worth it. It is totally worth getting that exercise that can help protect again against heart disease, stroke, heart attack, and all those other bad things that can happen when we get older. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy. I want to thank you for tuning in to us today. You can always reach us uh, if you have an email at kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. Today's show was engineered by Jay White. And again, I'm Dr. Jimmy. You can join us at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on Thursdays. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now coming up next on MPB Think Radio.
This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Information on how to make good health a family affair is available at bcbsms.com. The radar screen is looking very ominous as we go through this afternoon. We are going to get some moderate to heavy rain in Jackson. Some.